It's got a soul, this hero farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We walk the fields under the stars. For love is here in Goldshaw Farms. Welcome to Goldshaw Farm. I'm your host, Morgan Gold. On each episode of our podcast, we bring you stories of people who are homesteading, farming, and chasing their dreams. And right now, I am just sitting here in my office. Uh, I've been doing a little editing for some of our YouTube videos. I've been catching up on emails and writing back to people. And I'm starting to make my plans for what we want to do on our farm for the 2020 season. You see, um, here on our farm in, in northern Vermont, we, we really go into kind of a hibernation mode uh, at a certain point. And right now we've got about, I don't know, six to eight inches of snow on the ground. I expect that snow to sit there until at least April at some point. Um, and so there's not as much you can do outside. Yeah, there's some timbering. Yeah, there's some repair work I can be doing on our barn. There's some cleanup stuff. And then obviously there's the regular chores with the animals. But a lot of the things that I'm usually tasked with doing and, and having to do and all the big projects I try to tackle, um, those are kind of off my plate for the year. And uh, now it's sort of into the farm's quiet period where we can start really planning and, and building the vision and dream for what the future is going to hold. One of the things that I like to do when I'm in this sort of quiet period on the farm is actually take the time to, to try to catch up with friends and learn from friends. And, and, you know, this homesteading community that's out there is just so awesome. And so there's so many people willing to, to share knowledge and information out there. Um, it's made it really easy to make a lot of great connections online and get to know a lot of different people. You can actually hear a message just buzzing right through. Sorry about that. I forgot to mute that. <laughs> um, and, and, and I guess the, the reason I bring this up is, uh, you know, two of those friends that I'll be connecting with and learning from are, are my friends Jason and Robin from the Big Bear Homestead. Uh, Jason and Robin are down in Georgia. They have been doing this for, for several years. And, you know... They like to talk about themselves like, hey, we're just getting started and we're new to this. But to a guy like me who really is genuinely new to this and has been doing this for two, maybe three years, um, they, they, they are experienced veterans of the process and they really know what they're doing. Uh, they're also just really fun people to hang out with. I had a chance to hang out with them uh, back in October when I was down in Virginia at the Homesteaders of America conference. And I was able to gather a lot of interviews that you've, you guys have heard over the last several weeks here on the podcast. And, and they're actually the last one that I was able to grab. Um, and, and it's just great to get to know them because um, they're just such fun people to hang out with. And the conversation I had with them, though, was just downright awesome because you learn about a lot about them. They've got some incredible stories. And there's just a lot of good information and knowledge that they were able to share in our conversation. So for today's episode, let's hear my interview with uh, Jason and Robin of the Big Bear Homestead. Now this is where the story, <laughs> she's going to interrupt a lot here, so go ahead and get ready for it. We walked in, and uh, the nightclub was called Last Call. We walked in, 
and there was this round table right here and that's where we went and i i didn't i mean i honestly did not want to be there i was going through a very ugly divorce and and i just i didn't want to be around it i was happy going back and forth to work and and doing my thing and there was this this bench over there she was sitting down in the bench and my friends saw her and they started pushing me towards her well they pushed and i sat down beside her. He fell in my lap. I sat down beside her. <laughs> he literally fell in my lap. <laughs> and and no. he's in love ever since. Right, but <laughs> here's the crazy part because this is why the story makes sense. Because when you say it, it doesn't make sense. He looked up at me and said, Is this seat taken? I am not that cool. <laughs> and I looked at him and said, Apparently now it is. <laughs> I am not that cool. I would not think of that if I would have fell into your lap. I would have been super apologetic, super red in the face. I sat down next to her and I said that cheesy line just trying to be funny. Yeah. But then, because then she started trying to point out all these guys. Well, you're not worried about if my boyfriend's here? I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> what if it's him? And I said, that if, that's, if that's your boyfriend... Uh, we need to talk because <laughs> there is no reason why uh, You're uh, even a lady that looks like he, that looks like you should be talking to this John Travolta look wannabe from <laughs> from Saturday Night Fever, and uh, and so we started you know being witty back and forth, and we went out and danced a couple of times, mm -hmm. and then I said, "Do you just want to go? You want to just go get something to eat? I'm hungry. You want to go get something to eat?" And uh, Yep. So we, we went, went up the street. Went up the street to the IHOP. Yep. Which is no longer there. Yeah. Which is That's really, when you know you're old and, and like which, it's been a long time in your relationship because buildings are no longer yeah. there. <laughs> which is really heartbreaking because we've been married almost 15 years now. Mm -hmm. For our 10 year, I was going to go get a menu from that because I remember what we, what we had. Mm -hmm. And I was going to make it in a nice little frame and, mm -hmm. you know, not there it was anymore. a very cool romantic <laughs> idea and uh the building was gone <laughs> but no. you guys are still here yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, we, we sat down and i had the scrambled eggs with a steak mm -hmm. and it came with pancakes and it came with pancakes and she ate my pancakes i took his pancakes yeah. <laughs> but he let me take his pancakes yeah. <laughs> and we sat we probably sat there at almost three four in the morning yeah just yeah talking and, and then we, he set the hook <laughs> And uh, and I said, um, do I have to wait three days or can I call you tomorrow? And she's like, well, you can call me in 20 minutes if you want to. It takes me 20 minutes to get home. <laughs> you can call me then. And, and, uh, and so I called her the next day and we just, just started hanging out. We yeah. became, we actually became best friends before First. anything romantically happened. We were yeah. best friends for a little over a year before anything romantically really ever took place. Mm -hmm. And uh, And it got to where my friends were like... Dude. Why are you wasting your time? What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean when you don't? It's like, she's like my best friend. She, you better, you don't want to be in the friend zone. <laughs> and I'm telling you from over here, looking at y'all, there's more than friends. Yeah. And, uh, and so, went out, on a, went out on an official date and uh, I put the moves on her and she couldn't resist. <laughs> Is that that's what you how it happens yourself? in my head and that's the way that we're leaving. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So now if we fast forward 15 years later, mm -hmm. describe to everybody the life you guys have built for yourselves. We, to understand where we are now, we started 
in a ritzy neighborhood beside the Augusta National Golf Course. Yeah, yeah. And we started with a very small, pathetic garden. Yeah, yeah. And we went from there to where we rented and we got a whole acre. And my grandfather passed away. And we went up right around in this area in Virginia. And um, I got his, t I inherited his tiller and a lot of the stuff. And we went back. Yeah. Made, got it all running and everything back in. I'm out there tilling the garden at our new one acre place, just tears rolling, you know, tilling the garden. And then I hear clunk, clunk. And I look down and there's a grenade. I tilled up a grenade. <laughs> I push the tiller back down and I look at my wife and I said, Leave. run. <laughs> She's there holding a brand new baby. She's like, I'm not running with a baby. I said, woman, run. <laughs> but of course, by this point, you've realized you're By this time, I'm going, why, why do I still have legs? <laughs> you know? wait, wait, why was there a grenade buried <laughs> in the garden? Yeah. And so I lifted it up and I kind of like poked around with it with my foot. And, I re and it rolled over and it was a training grenade. Mm -hmm. Well, come to find out, the, the reason why we were able to get that house so cheap mm -hmm. Bum, bum, bum. He got busted for dealing arms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was just one of the ones they didn't find. Yeah. You so know? That would be like a new meaning to the arms family homestead. Right, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So we started a garden there. It was good. We it did grew really zucchini well. The size of baseball bats. bats. And they were and they were tender. They yeah. weren't hard. And so we learned how to make zucchini boats. And then we took on quail. Chick we took on quail. Quail. Our gateway was not chickens. chickens. It was quail. And we did quail. And we and how we did quail was it was a homeschool science project. Yeah. We got a freezer off of the side of the road, an upright freezer. And we turned it into an incubator. And my son went nuts with mm -hmm. it. And so we started selling the quail. Six months later, we went from 12 to like 200 and yeah. didn't know it. Didn't know it. Started <laughs> selling. you like to breed. <laughs> started selling quail. Yeah. Um, I held a nuisance wildlife removal permit or license, I still do, in the state of Georgia. And um, every now and then I would go up to Social Circle and I would just I would just do FaceTime. You know, it was just good business, just do FaceTime. And I was sitting down talking with the, the one game warden guy that signs off on your licenses and stuff. And I said, man, did this homeschool science project, started selling the quail. Nice thing about it is I can sell them and... Recoup some re of my costs. Recoup some of the costs, but they're paying for their own feed and I get to eat free quail. And he said, you said you're selling them? I said, yeah. And uh, he reached behind his back and brought his handcuffs out. And uh, put them on the table. Put them on the table. He said, Give me $30. I said, Why am I going to give you $30? He said, You're going to give me $30 or you're going to put those on. I said, What do you mean? He said, You idiot. You need to have a license to sell quail in this state. <laughs> so I real quick wrote him the check. And he goes, Okay. From now on. I knew this was an so honest. Just to be clear, that was not a bribe. <laughs> no, no, no. That was a license payment. No, it was a that license. Was a li yeah, that was, that was, that the was license. a license payment. <laughs> yeah, not a bribe. And, uh, and, and that was because we, I had a, an, a just a really good reputation yeah. in the state yeah. of making sure that I followed the letter of the law <laughs> with the nuisance stuff. And he said, look, I knew this was an honest mistake. He said, but not a let, big deal. how about we do this? From now Next on. science project, if it's dealing with any type of animal. Talk to me first. Call me first. <laughs> <laughs> So then we did chickens. And then we, we uh, got chicken eggs, hatched out chickens, mm -hmm. raised the chickens. And we were still kind of, I don't want to say playing homesteading, but we were kind of... Hobby kinda, farming. We were hobby yeah, farming. we were hobby know? farming. And you know how long it takes for chickens, right? So we're out there feeding them, feeding them. And our uh, chicken coop 
was an old outhouse, outhouse that building. they cemented over, but yep. they left the building there. Yeah. And so we went out there, and then one day we opened up that outhouse, and there was that one that white first egg. egg, probably about the size of a yeah. ping pong ball. Yeah. And egg. we were like, "Woo!" And that set the hook. And from there, it downward spiraled to pig. getting pigs, no, rabbits, rabbits, then pigs, then goats, then a bull or a steer. No, no, a bull. Yeah, yeah, a bull. But, we but got, I was—I think we got the bull before we got the goats, though. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, we we've gotten a lot of animals since then, and we've moved. We went from that small one-acre plot. To we a, went up to a two, two and, a and a half, and then doubled it to five, and now we're in twenty-one, 21 acres. acres. We in have, Northeast Georgia. We have nine bovine, uh, three of them. One's a cow, two heifers, and what, four or five steers? Yeah, and then some steers, and, and one steers. who we think is going to identify as a bull instead yeah. of a steer. <laughs> yeah, because we tried, we put the bands on him to, to castrate him, yeah. and he was like, no, <laughs> and broke the bands. And we think, he, we think and, uh, he's a bull now. So, so. I don't know if he's going to be fertile or not. Then yeah. we have two sheep. Two sheep till the winter time. We're gonna we're done yeah. with we're done Off with sheep. The yeah, yeah, they're gonna go to freezer camp. Too much um, maintenance on those. Well, we did you guys, let me ask this though. Did you guys grow up raising animals and raising food, or or is that something that you adopted just by way of the quail gateway drug? Well, uh, <laughs> quail gateway drug. With my papa, my papa taught me how to hunt, how to fish, how to trap, and how to grow a garden. And uh, he also taught me a little bit about honeybees. Um, he, you know, he did teach me a little bit about chickens, but he never really kept chickens. We talked, you know, we had conversations about chickens and stuff from when he was growing up. Um, but nothing that was as, yeah. as far as it went. Most of the stuff was learned by trial and error. Yeah, and like and, I, I grew up in a neighborhood, and Jason likes to say I was, I grew up with a silver spoon because my dad was. Worked for Westinghouse and made six figures back in the 80s. Like it was, we were we were set. So he grew a garden, and I always learned that we grew way more than we needed. And my brother used to walk around the townhomes with a red rider full of vegetables. Of course, he would go and try to sell them. <laughs> then my dad would make him give the money back. But that was the extent of me with with food, nothing with animals. So we kind of like had to find our own we, way yeah we had to find our own way yeah so we're self-taught and we learned really quick that and that's really way. not the way to do that <laughs> and, and now you guys have been doing like compared to someone like me you've been yeah. doing a much much longer time yeah um what were the resources you were relying on as you're going through that self-education uh a, salatin's books um well really, but before all that but before but it was salatin's books and then it was books going uh, that we would go in and out of the library because there was not there was nothing on YouTube. Yeah, YouTube was like really. A YouTube baby. was still a baby, and yeah. there was nobody doing any any type of homesteading stuff yeah. on there. Um, I'm almost would care to venture that we probably put the very first ever homesteading video out on YouTube, and it was. If uh, not, it's close. All right, wait, yeah. wait, wait, yeah. right, here, right here on the podcast. Set, set, set the <laughs> the Mendoza line. Like, what what was the date for it? Uh, oh, I don't remember yeah, the geez. date, but it was right. I think it was, was, was putting out onion sets. I think it was because yeah. Blaze was Blaze is twenty now. He was seven, eight. 
Yeah, it was, I mean, yeah. it was 2006, 2007. It was somewhere in that time frame. And again, it's, it's neither here nor there and to me, it, but. And it's, uh, it's, it's uh, black and white. It's black. It's, it's no, a, it's not in black and white. That one's not. No, yeah, we had some of our black and white. No. <laughs> yeah, well, we did. We had such a horrible camera that, like, we, we noticed had the that little, the it was the cam. The whole camera was probably about maybe three inches by <laughs> it was like really bad. four inches. It was one of them. Uh, it got you Cannon got it at, or something. No, you got it at Sears. It was like a little uh, Nikon, the, or Nikon or Pure Shot or something. You know, one, like a little that, tiny yeah. one. And if we went to focus in in the video, you would hear. You could hear the focus. <laughs> it was really bad. I mean, it was bad. And somehow, during the manipulation, sometime of, on the camera, somehow we went from filming in color to, to filming in black and, and white. We couldn't figure out how, to, figure out how to get it back. <laughs> like we were super, super. We, that we didn't have any editing software. Yeah. That camera that would film it. for like 15 minutes, and then you'd have to stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It was bad. <laughs> But we, uh, the hardest thing about it all mm -hmm. was learning the hard way. Like our, our, our one that really hurt the most, I think, that really was a, a good solid kick in the teeth mm -hmm. that made us kind of step back and go, we really need to do our homework before we start purchasing things. Yeah, because that was our, our, that our, was our MO, MO early on we was just like, do it. Just do like, it. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. Let's go get a cow. <laughs> Milk prices are about to go up. Let's go get a dairy cow. Uh, and you got to think, this is also right in the the heat of the recession yeah like you know 2007. so milk prices were going up yeah. gas prices were going through the roof yeah all this stuff and so we were trying to figure out how to, to be able to, to supplement things and we mm -hmm. went and got a holstein dairy cow <laughs> with never, a calf with a calf never milked a cow <laughs> never even touched an udder or anything in our life before but we gonna get this cow yeah and uh couldn't really find any information on about how to hand milk a we cow. We looked YouTube up, couldn't find anything. The the guy that we bought it from, he just completely took advantage. You know, mm -hmm. he did. And uh, he pretty much dropped the cat. That cow actually hated my guts. Mm -hmm. And it's because I looked, I, in the cow's eyes, I kind of resembled that guy. And he used the cattle prod and the sticks and stuff. And uh, he took you, she, she was, took you clean out. <laughs> she was the only one that, that could get close to the cow. Yeah. I had to milk her. And so we we knew nothing about this how to set a stall up. Yeah. To pinch her in there. Mm -hmm. And so we thought, you know, well, Mrs. Engels just tied her to a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Went to town. That, yeah. So that's mm -hmm. and so no. <clears throat> tied her to the tree and Robin's down there milking and the cows just moving around. Well Robin's just started singing hymns. Mm-hmm. And the cow Stop moving. Stop moving. Robin she was going to town, singing hymns. Well, Robin took one took too long of a pause to get to the next song. <laughs> she kicked the bucket. She kicked the bucket. <laughs> I had milk head to toe. Robin it's was everywhere. Covered in milk. I'm at the. I'm staying as far as way I can now. <laughs> that that homestead there. It the the house was at the top of the hill, and everything was at the bottom, and it was a 45, 45 degree, degree angle. slope. It's bad. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, she's down there singing. She's having a good time. And I hear clang, clang. And Robin went from praising, praising God, God <laughs> to making sailors run. <laughs> it was really, really bad. It's not one of my best moments. <laughs> she came up, she coming up the hill. She's just, I mean, she probably had 
she probably milked out like two like or three two or three, three gallons. gallons. Like it was and good. It, she was just so hair matted down onto her forehead. And what did I say? The person that said don't cry over spilled milk was full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> and so we put the calf back on it and we started we had to start doing looking, research looking yep. for a dairy farm and mm -hmm. we found a commercial dairy farm with us and we contacted them and they let us come out and do a tour we got and a machine we got a you know we basically kind of said teach us how to hand milk mm -hmm. kind of thing and they was like no no you need well, a machine <laughs> take this machine yeah and so we got her like that and robin was the only one that could milk her there for a while to the point where I had to baby step myself up to this yeah. cow. I literally has as somebody was milking, I'd have to yeah. be out in out in the field where she could see me. That's all of that learning process is just And then I could get closer, get closer, get closer. Yeah. And finally it got to the point where I could be there brushing her while yeah. we were setting her up to milk. Well Robin went back to went to, to work yeah, to, to work one day. And so we're trying to hook her up and she wouldn't drop her milk. Yeah. And so it I doesn't tell you how long ago it was. I had a flip phone, okay? Yep. Flip phone, I called her, put her on speakerphone, and I said, Robin, this cat, you need to start singing. This cow will not drop her milk. Because that was my routine. I'd go down and just sing praise and worship songs while she was She started milking. singing, I'll fly away. <clears throat> yep, milk, milk drop. He's like, all right, honey, have a good day, click. <laughs> wow. So, so what have been some of the other challenges as you guys have been kind of on this whole journey over the last several years like that you've faced? Mm. learning that with goats you can't control goats <laughs> goats honestly believe the grass is greener on the other side and you've got to you've got to entertain goats to mm -hmm. be able to keep them from trying to jump fences and Ooh. and being little ninjas and jump up a tree and then jump off yeah. you know, onto that I out. think another thing that we never really thought about that we've learned along the way is the difference between animals that are solitary and animals that are herd animals. If you get an animal that's a herd animal and you can only afford one and so you only buy one, you're setting yourself up to fail. Mm -hmm. If you have a solitary animal, and, and so these are things you need to research like before and that's what we were really lacking in. Like one time we bought geese and we didn't know that geese mate for life. The so we thought we Chinese were getting geese, this great yeah. deal and we got two boys and a girl and literally the two boys like decided that you know, they were going to duke it out, one left, so there went $45 or whatever it was. It was just gone. Like, it didn't get attacked or anything. It just left. And so had we known and researched, we wouldn't have needed this second mail, you know. Um, just knowing things like that, knowing that your cattle, you know, are a herd animal, your sheep tend to be a herd animal. You know, you want, whenever you get a herd animal, you want to make sure you have more than one so that you don't set yourself up to fail with stuff like that. Because when they're herd animals and there's only one of them, they'll take off. They'll go run to try and find. Especially with, with cows, especially, <laughs> yeah. especially the, the heifers. Females. The females. She, yeah. Daisy, when, when she wanted to be pregnant, she would go get pregnant. She would jump a, a five foot fence and go to the next field over and find the bull and go hang out with them. And she was a herd animal, she was by herself. Yeah. So when she had her calf, then she didn't roam as much. Mm -hmm. Then when she had her second calf, she stayed put unless it was something that was, you know, pretty important. And it, we didn't have any problems. Mm -hmm. Then once we figured out that the only reason she wanted to leave was to find a boyfriend because she's a little floozy. <laughs> we we got a bull and 
Mama now got everything's it. fine. Mama's, mama's got an itch and it needs to be scratched. <laughs> and now she's fine. So I that's that would probably be our biggest challenge is um, knowing, being excited about doing something, but not having the patience and the discernment to say, okay, we got to really think about this and, and think about what all needs to happen before we get to that spot. Mm-hmm. It's not that instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it takes a little bit of extra time and patience, you know, to do something and get something set up the right way. Like I've been hearing people all weekend talking about, I want to do this, I want to do that. And then you'll hear one of the couples say, but we need to build our fences first, (laughs) but we need to get Mm -hmm. our water set up first, you know? And so I think it's really great to hear that from people. Like they have that, that we just never, we're like, we'll figure it out. (laughs) And, And coming to the realization, and this is one thing that, I mean, it's just not just homesteading, but homesteading really makes you feel it in your in your teeth is that just because it didn't work mm-hmm. the way that you thought it was doesn't mean you failed right the only way that you fail is when you throw your hands up and you walk away and you quit well, and, and the other one I think too is you if you're constantly trying to do what other people do like you can listen to people all day long about something that works in Michigan but if you live in Georgia it's probably not going to work for you. And so I think that's a lot of things sometimes is we, we're too busy listening to what everybody else does and maybe we get beat up by, well, it worked for them. Why isn't it working for me? Well, you've got to really look at your region and make sure yeah. that everything works You're in works a completely different growing zone. So you're, right, right. you're not going to be able to grow that celery. You know, right, or how like, you keep your animals. You mm-hmm. know, like we the, when we breed animals and when we expect them to calve is going to be a totally different time than when people up north because they want to wait until the animals so it gets a little bit warmer mm-hmm. and ours get yeah, it gets warmer want, yeah, earlier. Like February is like, like a nightmare. Right us. in yeah. Vermont, you wouldn't yeah. want a calf in in February. We have a calf in February. It's okay. It's yeah. all right. You know, we've actually had calves in February, <laughs> January, January. <laughs> and so, it's been fun. What, one thing that I've found is one of my biggest challenges with raising animals has been predators mm. and I know Jason that's something that you very much specialize in mm-hmm. as, as people out there encounter predator problems what what sort of thought process should they be going through as they're trying to deal with something like that they should be thinking about it before they have the problem because when the problem when they when they go out there and there's dead birds it's already too late um, also the one of the things like with chickens one of the things that they need to realize is there is no such thing as a 100% predator-proof chicken coop. I've been doing nuisance wildlife work for over 20 years, and I've been trapping since, uh, as my grandfather would say, that I was old enough to hold on to his boot and smart enough not to let go. Mm-hmm. I've been in the woods that long. Um, I cannot design. I mean, if I could, I would, and I'd market it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't design one that's going to be 100% predator-proof. So when it comes to predators, housekeeping is a big thing. Um, and everything, everything, this is the most important thing. Everything in the animal kingdom follows its food source. Mm-hmm. That's been that way since the Lord put us on here. Mm-hmm. Everything follows its food source. So... When it comes to your major predators, your possums, your your raccoons, your foxes, your coyotes, your birds of prey, your snakes, it can all get traced back to housekeeping. Bad housekeeping, especially with chickens, bad housekeeping invites mice and rats. The mice and rats are coming after the feed or they're coming after 
har the eggs or harass the chickens to get more bedding and they're coming after the feces, whatever it is that they're coming after. Then the snakes are coming after the mice and rats because that's their food source. Right. Your birds of prey are eating the snakes and the mice and the rats. Your foxes and your uh, coyotes, your bobcats, they eat the mice, the rats, mm -hmm. the snakes, the birds of prey. All and, and so, so and, and it so just forth. domino right. effect. Um, a possum, he's just a scavenger. He's the Lord put him here to help keep everything clean. Mm -hmm. That's his job. It's a Does trash. a very yeah. He does a very good job at it. Mm -hmm. He's the only uh, marsupial in North America. And uh, he does great with fleas and ticks and, and stuff like that. But he's a scavenger. So he's he's that, he's that the uncle that shows up to the family reunion that's just going to eat everything. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what he does. <clears throat> and so he travels a lot. I say all that just to, to say that he travels a lot. There's... There's no set territory for a possum. He's mm -hmm. constantly walking, looking, and, and trying to find something to eat, mm -hmm. find a girlfriend, whole nine yards. Your raccoons, they kind of travel in packs, not officially, but everybody that's ever been in the woods will tell you, you see one raccoon, you better look around because there's going to be more there. Mm -hmm. um, and they have their ranges that they go, but they will, you know, they'll nibble on some crawfish they'll nibble on minnows they're not they will grab a, a field mouse and eat it you know but if you're not cleaning everything up and all of your your feed because chickens can be messy eaters mm -hmm. if they're not cleaning all that up that's what's bringing them there mm -hmm. and uh everybody whether you live on 20 acres or a small acreage one or two acres you're eventually going to run into a population boom that's when it becomes kind of dangerous for homesteaders because like in 2016 we had um what we call the great raptor attack <laughs> of 2016. yep um because you can't shoot raptors you no, can't kill them they're they're, they're federally protected well, I, mean, well protected. I mean you can but you just have to practice <laughs> the shoot shovel shut up method the three s's <laughs> But um, technically, you're not supposed technically, to do anything. Technically, so you're not supposed there's to do nothing regulating them. Yeah, to, to save my license, <laughs> do not shoot any birds. Right, right, right. Um, so anyway. But what happened with us is that, I, let's see, we were... We had over 200 chicks. Right. I was just trying to think. It was right around this time of year. Yes, and, it was October, November. Mm -hmm. And we weren't at home. I don't remember where we were. We went on vacation to Ohio. It was right around Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. And we come back, and the person that was farm sitting for us and said, look, you're losing birds. Yeah. And they was just dive bombing the chicken tractor. Because we got our chicken tractor designed from Salatin's Pasture Poultry Book. Yep. We, we, boom, to a T, and we've been running them that way ever since. But they, these raptors were coming and dive bombing and just... Hurting themselves to get inside. Ripping wings off, ripping their yep. own legs off to get to it to start to get something that's how hungry they were because they overpopulated the mm -hmm. area so there was more of them than there was the food source mm -hmm. so and it was I mean, the beginning of fall into the winter so they're starting to try mm -hmm. and you know find more food yeah. so it sounds like it's a lot of supply and demand it yeah. really it's, is yeah. it's about like your, if you can think about that supply and demand right. mm -hmm. and how that, it fits together yes. that's mm -hmm. like a, a core premise yep i'm stealing that that is a very <laughs> good way to right well, you, you say it's not just about predator, it's control. So there's some some 
Um, you have to do some maintenance along the way. Mm -hmm. You can't just be reactive. You have to be proactive. proactive. So you have to pay attention to what your population looks like. And when it starts to look like it's getting a little too heavy, sometimes you have to manage that population. And, and manage, you know, <laughs> everybody gets kind of helter-skelter about when you start using words like management and stuff like that. Um, and what what my wife is, is, is saying and is hinting at is like, you go out and you buy five acres and you put some chickens on it and maybe put a couple of goats. Well, you're not only responsible for those chickens and those goats, you're also responsible for all the wildlife that, that's around it. Right. And some of the, you know, I say this, everybody that asks me, what's the first thing that I should do? You should decide on where you want to keep your chickens or your ducks or your quail, whatever fowl that you're going to have. And then from the farthest point that you're going to have them, you go out there and you buy some blackberry bushes, raspberry bushes, maybe uh, a fruit tree that a, like a crab apple tree does really great. Persimmons. Uh, persimmons, like any type of fruit tree and plant it out there and never touch it. Leave it alone. That's what they call a food barrier, a food buffer, because it goes back to everything following its food source. Mm -hmm. You have those blackberries out there that fruit pretty much the earliest. You're not touching them. They're dropping off. The mice and the rats are eating them. And then you have your domino chain that goes back to that far corner and they never know your stuff is up there right so they're not they're not messing with it that's what we mean by management but mm -hmm. there does come a time you know that because you gave that extra food source and like one of the things that we do with ours is when we plant our garden in the spring anything that we're starting directly by seed if we've got three or four seeds left in a packet we put that in a ziploc mm -hmm. bag and then once we're done planting, we take that Ziploc bag Throw and we out. toss it out there. So that has that extra stuff. But even by doing that, sooner or later, you're going to have a population boom. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, you will have to do some type of control where you go out there and you trap and thin out the numbers and stuff like that. And it, that's just a, that's just proper management. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I'm telling you, you can steal this one, man. It's like uh, uh, predator economics. There you yeah. go. And you think about it, right? You right. got your supply, your demand, mm -hmm. your overpopulation that ultimately drives up the price mm -hmm. of you know, right. essentially the prey. Right. They look for alternatives. Like it's, it's mm -hmm. yeah, it's like yeah. predator economics. There yeah. you go. So um, last thought, uh, as you guys are talking to folks who are out there thinking about starting their own homestead and getting into it, what would be the one piece of advice you'd offer somebody who's sort of dreaming of getting a place of their own and trying to raise some of their own food? Stop dreaming and do it. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. Because what's the worst thing that could happen? You take a tomato seed and you put it in the ground and it doesn't grow. What are you out? Would it take you 30 seconds to put that thing in there? You go to, you go and you purchase some chickens and you put them in an incubator. They don't hatch. Who cares? Keep doing it. And just don't ever stop. Don't ever yeah. quit. Because sooner or later, that seed's going to, for you, is going to germinate. You're going to figure out what was wrong with your soil, and you're going to fix it, and it'll germinate. And then all of a sudden, boom, you've got great tomatoes. And I'm telling you. Don't quit. Don't quit, <laughs> because once you taste, once you go out there and you pull that tomato off of the vine and you bite into it, most people should bite into it without a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, you're going to have a flavor that you never had before because your food is alive a lot of the food that we get in the store is what they call dead food yeah. um, there's, and it's 
over processed over chemicalized mm -hmm. and the food is the food all the good stuff that's in food all the healthy bacteria gone. is gone yeah. it's dead we've antibacteria our, our guts to mm -hmm. death yeah. literally to death and just get out there do it don't be afraid yeah and and don't be afraid to reach out to the people that you're watching on YouTube that are doing it and and send them a message and say hey you know I'm trying to grow these these tomatoes or these peppers you know or I'm trying to raise these chickens and this and this and this keeps happening mm -hmm. I don't know of a single channel mm -mm. that would not answer you no. I mean I really don't No. you know um, and all these forums there's so many Facebook forums mm -hmm. now where you can throw a question like that out and yeah. you'll get you know yeah 50 right. different suggestions right. we, we've got a Facebook group it's called the Big Bear Nation mm -hmm. you know people pop in ask questions all the time you may not get the answer directly from from us yeah. you know but there'll be other people in there mm -hmm. that are going to answer and you can tr try different things mm -hmm. to find out what works in your area look you know? i'll be i'll be completely honest we had some issues with some turkeys a while back and i was completely at odds did not know what it was we don't know everything mm -mm. <laughs> But that's the value of community yeah. is being able to throw it out there and go, okay, I got this problem. What do I do? And within 20 minutes, I had four or five different answers. I could kind of look them up, see which one fit the best to what we had going on and tried it and it worked and it was good to go. So definitely don't give up and, and don't be afraid to ask questions. And, yeah. Either. And don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't yeah. be afraid that you don't know everything. Yeah. And with the way social media is now. Yeah versus what it was when we got started there is a plethora of information out there at your fingertips all you have to do is type in the question So if you enjoyed that conversation and want to learn more about Jason and Robin, uh, be sure to check out the Big Bear Homestead YouTube channel. Uh, they also have a, a fun, fun Facebook group called uh, Big Bear Nation, um, and, and I, it's on Facebook, and I, I strongly encourage you to check that out. And if you want to learn and you want to connect pe with people, as, as Jason and Robin were saying in their interview, you know it's a great place to get started. And, and so I definitely encourage you to, to try that one out. And if you want to learn more about what we're doing here on our farm, uh, be sure to check out the Goldshaw Farm podcast. Um, we do uh, two videos a week, every Monday and Thursday. It's about some sort of story related to our farm here in northern Vermont. Um, and a special uh, call uh, for folks. This is going to expire really quickly on this podcast. But uh, on Thursday night, what is Thursday night? Thursday, December... Thursday, December 5th um, at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm going to be hosting uh, both the premiere of a new video and then immediately afterwards, I'm going to be having a live Q&A session. Um, in that live Q&A session, I'll be able to take a lot of questions that you guys have and uh, you guys are going to get the chance to meet uh, the newest member of our farm. Uh, that's right. We actually have a new livestock guardian puppy here on the farm. Uh, he's settling in right now. He's been here for a couple of days, and he is just the sweetest pup I have ever owned. Um, but also, I can really tell that he's got that that livestock guardian instinct. 
He's very observant, very much watching the farm. He's very good with their ducks. He's very good with the geese, which I was really surprised about. And and so if you want to see all of that, be sure to check us out on YouTube at uh, Goldshaw Farm. And like I said, uh, if you're catching this episode before 8 p.m. on Thursday, December 5th, um, you can actually uh, tune in and ask us questions and, and meet both me and Toby. We'll be hanging out on live, uh, online doing a live stream uh, for a little bit then. But with that, that's it. That's all I've got for this episode. Um, if you want to write a review for us and help other people find our podcast, that's greatly appreciated. I will be back again real soon with another story about somebody who's homesteading, farming, or chasing their dreams. And with that, I will ask my good friend, Mr. Keith Pierce, to play our theme song. It's got a soul, this hero farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We work the fields under the stars. The love is here at Goldshaw Farms. City life, yeah, had its charms But we would dream of the fields under the stars I fall asleep inside its arms The love is here at Goldshaw Farms The love is here at Goldshaw Farms